Good afternoon. There you go. I'm switched on. So good to see you all uh, this afternoon and so welcome to our carol service. I trust that you're coming excited uh, for this time of worship together and so thankful for so many people to be here and looking forward to what God does uh, this afternoon. Uh, just as we start, just a reminder to please switch off all phones so that that wouldn't be a distraction and so that our attention can be firmly fixed upon the Lord this evening. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 66 verse 5 says, Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of mankind. In a sense, what the choir is doing today and what we are doing as a congregation is we're singing and saying, come and see what our God has done. Come and see His wonderful work of salvation in the person and the work of His Son. And so this afternoon, it is our joy to sing to our God. And not just sing, hopefully, but see Him. See all that He has done for us, all that He's accomplished for us. But not just sing and see, but savor in our God, to rejoice in him with hearts full of gratitude and joy so that we would shout for joy so that we would sing to the glory of his name and so that we would give him glorious praise for all that he has done 
And so with that in mind, let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Let's start off with prayer, uh, and then we'll kick off the service this evening. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this great opportunity that we have to come together as a people to raise our voices in praise and adoration for all that you have done. And we ask that as we come to this evening, we pray that you'd fix our eyes upon you and you alone, that you'd even lead us as we raise our hands in worship to yield ourselves, our hands to you in obedience and in service that you'd fill our hearts with joy and gladness as we hear the good news. And dear Lord, that we would give our lives, all of who we are, to you in humble adoration and worship and praise. We pray that you would take hold of us, that you would own us, and dear Lord, that our singing, our songs of praise and thanksgiving, all of this would be pleasing in your sight and honorable to you and honoring to you. We pray this, not because we are so worthy, but because you are so gracious and so loving and so kind. And so we pray, dear Lord, accept our worship even this evening. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, please will you stand with me as we sing our opening song, O Come All Ye Faithful.
Will you please be seated? The story of Christmas. It begins long before Jesus was born. Yes, throughout the Old Testament, various prophets spoke, telling the people of Israel how the Messiah, the Savior, would come to earth. And so the birth, life, and death of Jesus were the fulfillments of each of these prophecies. The Christmas story shows us just how perfect God's plan was for all eternity. It's the story that forever changed the world, today and for all time. Oh, the story of Christmas, the timeless words are woven throughout all our seasonal celebrations. But most of all, we live the Christmas story in the changed lives that come from knowing the Savior whose birth we celebrate. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The story of Christmas is the story of Jesus. In scripture, we read that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. He said to Mary, Greetings, blessed one. The Lord is with you. But Mary was very troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this was. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. How can this be, since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Child to be born will be called the Son of God. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be to me as you have said. My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. When Joseph heard that Mary was expecting a child, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace and had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin will be with child and will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and so everyone went to his own town to register. Joseph, together with his expectant wife Mary, 
went up from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. Joseph called his name Jesus. Won't you remain seated as we sing the carol, Joy to the World. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone upon them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and placed in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Please would you all stand as we sing our next three carols.
Please be seated. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. Won't you stay seated as we sing our next carol, Silent Night.
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, also known as the wise men, arrived in Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled because he was afraid Jesus would take his place of power. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Won't you remain seated as we sing, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear. Yeah. 
When the Magi saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Please won't you stand and join us as we sing the next carol, Joy Has Dawned.
by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Won't you please take your seats? more space. I don't want to fall off the side there, if that's all right. Uh, So I'm going to claim this spot as my own. Uh, Thanks, Kyle, for your efforts. What a blessing it has been to sing and praise our Lord this evening, this afternoon. And part of our worship isn't just raising our voices to Him in adoration and praise, but part of our worship is responding uh, to him and hearing from him and uh, knowing what he, who he is and what he has done for us. And, and so as we worship this evening, part of our worship isn't just uh, singing, but hearing, having our hearts uh, open with eager expectations for our God. Uh, with that in mind, I want to turn our attention to a passage that referred to us earlier in Luke chapter 2, verse Uh, 9 to 11, the well-known passage about the shepherds and the angel. Uh, I want to stop and think about that particular section of Scripture, verses 9 to 11. So if you have your Bible, I'm not sure if everyone does have, but let me just read from verse 9 to 11. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Only so far in the reading of God's word may reform our lives to a truth. Let's quickly pray and ask God's help. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening, this afternoon, and we just want to thank you and praise you for this opportunity. Just to sing praises to you, to think again on this wonderful story, this true story of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think on and reflect upon this message by these angels to these shepherds, we pray that we would take delight in that message, that good news. And that our hearts, even this evening, would be captivated by joy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In in a sense, our worship this evening, and bear with me, our worship this evening has been unnatural. It's been unnatural, our worship, as we've sung in song this evening, as we've raised our voices in adoration, as we echo the words of loved hymns. As we confess timeless truths of of those hymns, as we express our own joy in song, we do so in a sense, unnaturally. Now why do I say that? Well, the reason is simple. If God were to enter into this room this evening, 
if he sent again an angel into his room to bear a message for us, if God's glory was to fill this place and shine among us, then dear friends, we would not be standing in awe, raising our hands in worship. We'd be on the ground shaking in fear. That's what you see throughout Scripture. When God arrives, there's fear. There's trembling. Let me give you two examples in Exodus 30 when, when in the presence of God, Moses, the prophet of God, enters into God's presence. We are told that he hides his face in fear of God. Even of Israel, Exodus 20 verse 18, when they see the glory of God, they hide themselves, they tremble and are afraid of God. See, when God arrives, the natural response is fear. And then we see that in our passage, shepherds encounter God's glory. Men are confronted by an angel, just an angel of the Lord, and they tremble in fear. We're told they tremble with great fear. Why? Why great fear? Well, there's two essential reasons. Firstly, when we are finite creatures and we come before an infinite God, the natural response is fear. When we stand before the one who creates all things with a word, who sustains all things with a word, then those creatures who are sustained by that word can only but respond with trepidation. But the second reason is, is when, when sinful people come before this holy God, people who have rebelled against him, who have sinned against his holy name, when they enter his presence, the natural response ought to be fear. Should this not be our response? When you consider yourself this evening, you are but, but dust, you are flesh and bone, you're like the grass, you're today, gone tomorrow, but you stand and worship before a holy, eternal God. Should the response not be one of fear? Or even more, consider all that you've done. All your thoughts, deeds and actions, all your sins, the many, many ways we have sinned against a holy, holy, holy God who hates sin, who despises it. When we enter into this God's presence, is not the natural response one of fear? And so the question for us to wrestle with is this, how does great fear give way to great joy? How does great fear turn to great joy? If you're an unbeliever here tonight, in your finiteness, in your sinfulness, how can you stand before a holy God? How can you sing songs of praises before a God to whom to you are accountable? Even for the believer here. How can you justify your joy before God? How can you come into his presence singing praise and thanksgiving with thankful, glad hearts? How can we, as Psalm 2 commands us, rejoice, but do so with trembling? Well, the answer is the gospel. The answer is the good news of great joy, the good news that leads to great joy, the good news that a child has been born. A child who is a savior, a child who is the Christ, a child who is the Lord who reconciles finite sinners to an infinitely holy God.
Notice three titles given to Jesus in this passage. Jesus is called Savior. Here is good news of great joy because there is a Savior. There is one who is able to deliver you, able to rescue you. Now, I'm sure the obvious question is, save you from what? Perhaps you're here tonight and you feel like you need to be saved from your troubles, your fears, your anxieties. Just your circumstances that are just too much to bear, the burdens that are on your back, your fears, your pain, your heartache, your grief. You have many things that you feel you need deliverance from. And the good news is that Jesus is such a Savior. He's able to strengthen. He's able to give you grace. He's able to sustain you. But see, before he can be that kind of redeemer, he first needs to be the redeemer of your soul. The one who saves you from your sin. Let us not move from the fact, let us not forget the fact that our greatest problem is still our sin. It's not our world, our country, our government, it's not our sickness, it's not a lack of prosperity, it's none of those things. Our greatest problem, my greatest problem, your greatest problem is your sin. We need to remember that sin robs us of blessing, Jeremiah 25, 20, 5, 25. It separates us from God, Isaiah 59, 2. It closes God's ear off from us so that he doesn't hear us. Psalm 66 verse 18. And it stores up God's wrath, his fiery anger against us. Romans 1.18. And sin ultimately results in death. Separation from God eternally. Dear friend, dear believer, know this. Your greatest need is to be saved from your sin. And here is good news of great joy. There is a Savior whose name is Jesus. Jehovah, Jehovah saves. Who is given that name because He saves His people from their sins. But how does this son, this child save? How does Jesus save us from our sin? Well, look at the second title given to Jesus. Jesus is called a Savior who is Christ. That is, He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one of God. He is said, said differently, the chosen servant of God. Sent by God to serve. How does He serve? In Matthew 20, 28, Jesus tells us, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this child, this son of David, this one born in David's city, hasn't come to sit on a throne first and foremost. He hasn't come in pomp and glamour. No, he came to a stinking, dirty manger because he came as a servant. He is a Savior who is a servant and saves by giving Himself as a servant. Even though He is the Christ, the Anointed One of God, even though He is the Son of God, He took the form of a servant. He, he humbled Himself to the point of death, death on a Roman cross, where He hung in utter shame and humility to purchase our salvation. 
to save us from our sin. Uh, there are three gospel verses that I think every person in this room needs to be reminded of. Gospel truths that, that sink deep in our hearts that remind us all that Christ has done for us. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Uh, do, do you want the blessings of God? Look to the one who was cursed for his people. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Christ was made to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do, do you want your dirty rags of sin to be removed from you? Do you want to receive God's holy righteousness that is Christ's? Look to the one who gives himself for you, who becomes sin for us. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Do you want to be reconciled to God? Do you want to know the God who has made you in his image, whom you have been designed and created for? Look to this one who gave himself for unrighteous people like me and you. See, this is how Jesus is our Savior. He is a servant who suffers and dies for us. Dear friends, is this not good news that brings great joy? He is a Savior who becomes a servant, a servant who suffers and dies so that the penalty of our sin need not fall on us. Dear friend, know this, your sin as vile and as wicked as it is, need not fall on you. It need not stay on you. Because Jesus has given himself as your substitute. He's given himself as that suffering servant who takes your sin upon himself. So that the penalty of your sin need not befall you. There is reason for great joy. Listen to J.C. Ryle as he explains this. And I trust that this quote makes your heart sing as much as it does mine. He says, was he scourged? It was so that, his stripes, that in his stripes we might be healed. Was he condemned though innocent? It was that we might be acquitted without guilt. Did he wear a crown of thorns? It was that we might wear the crown of glory. Was he stripped of his clothing? It was that we might be clothed in his everlasting righteousness. Was he mocked and reviled? Well, it was that we might be honored and blessed. Was he reckoned guilty and numbered among the transgressors? It was that we might be reckoned innocent and justified from all sin. Was he declared unable to save himself? What it was that he might be able to save others to the uttermost. Did he die at last, that he most, the most painful and disgraceful death of all? It was that we might live evermore and be exalted to the highest glories. Beloved, behold, good news of great joy, the Savior who suffers for his people. The question is, have you taken hold of him as your Savior? Have you clung to him as the only savior of your sins? Have you come to him and asked him to take your sin? 
so that it would not be on you. And listen again to the angelic voice. For unto you this day is a Savior born. He's a Savior for you. Are you a sinner? For he offers himself as your Savior. A Savior who humbles himself as a servant to save his people. Behold the love of God, dear friends, that he would give himself for us. That he would offer himself as that suffering servant. Uh, John says in 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Did you know something of his love this evening? But, but there's more. Not only must you have Jesus as your Savior, a Savior who suffers and dies in order to save, but you must also have Jesus as your Sovereign. You must have Him as your Lord. Look at the third title that's given to Jesus. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, although that word for Lord in, uh, is often used of human masters, in this context it refers to Jesus' divinity. Uh, how do we know that? We'll look at the text. Uh, look how we here have here the word Lord three times repeated. We have here the angel of the Lord. We have the glory of the Lord. And now we're told there's a child who is called the Lord. And the idea seems to be this, the Lord who sends an angel, the Lord who shines in glory, is the Lord God who draws near in a child. The first two chapters of Luke are clear. This isn't just any child. No, this child is the son of the Most High, Luke 1.32. This is the eternal word of God become flesh. This is the fullness of God pleased to dwell bodily with man. This is indeed Emmanuel, God with us. This is God come near to us in our sin to save us from our sin. And so again, here is good news of great joy. God himself has not left you in your sin. God himself has not left you to wallow under the punishment and the guilt of your sin. But God himself has drawn near to finite sinful man to save man. Why? Because here we have a God who doesn't just want us to come to him with great fear. No, he wants us to come to him with great joy. He wants us to enter into his presence with joy, who delights in the joy of his people, whose gift to his people is joy, because he's provided a savior. And that good news is the great news of great joy. I just love the condescension of God here. God draws near to these lowly shepherds. God draws near to lowly man in this, uh, in this manger as God incarnate sits in that manger. But God not just draws near, he invites the lowly to himself. He invites him to come and see. Come and see the one who saves. Come and see the one who is the reason for great joy. Dear friends, dear unbeliever, dear Christian, God invites you to come and see the one who is able to take your great fear, your great worries, your great concerns of this world, and turn it into great joy. 
He invites you to come to him with great joy, joy that comes from knowing Jesus as Savior, as Christ, and as Lord. And you know what? As you, if you come to him as that, if you own him as your Savior, as your Lord, as, as Christ, if you believe upon him and walk in his ways, then and then only does our worship actually become natural. Because it outflows and overflows out of a heart that has been made new. A heart that has tasted and seen the goodness of God and a heart that therefore worships now naturally because God has saved us. And so I pray this would be our worship this evening that we worship not in hypocrisy, not because others are singing, but we worship because our hearts have been redeemed. Because we sing to one who is our Savior, who is our Savior and our Lord, and we sing in joyful response to Him. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we come before you thankful for all that you have done for us in the great salvation that you have offered for us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, dear Lord, that no one in this room this afternoon would hear of this message of great joy and turn their back. But instead that they would hear that there is great joy to be had even before a holy God. An infinitely great and majestic God who is to be feared. Yet we can enter his presence with thanksgiving because he has opened a way for us. Thank you that you've opened that way in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the child that was born, the son that was given, so that we might be saved of our sin and saved to you to know you and enjoy you. Oh, dear Lord, take hold of us now, we pray. Work faith in our hearts, we ask. In Christ's name. Amen.
we sing the last two songs. So this year, Give Christmas away. Go and tell. Go and tell. Go, Go and tell that Jesus Christ is born.
Well, thank you everyone for being here this afternoon. What an incredible privilege and joy it has been for us to just be able to focus our hearts on the story of Christmas, um, told I'm sure uh, in, in a way that uh, you will not hear for a long time, uh, but the truths are the same that have not changed for many, many years. This doesn't happen uh, overnight, and so just a very special thanks to Rose and Sandra and their heart and vision uh, for putting this all together, to all the musicians and to all the choir members and to the, the tech crew who've labored for, for many, many, many weeks. Um, we really want to thank you for using your gifts in this way uh, to bless us as God's people. And I pray that the, the songs that we've sung and the story that has been uh, retold to us today will not just remain in terms of the realm of the personal experience, uh, but that we will go and we will share it with others, uh, particularly as we lead up towards Christmas this year. So thank you to all involved. Let's just give them a round of applause again. Thank you. So that was the dry run. The second round uh, begins in a, in a half an hour. Please do join us now for tea and coffee. I'm going to close in prayer. Um, it looks like this is not a church that has much faith because a church with faith would have brought a little and the Lord would have multiplied it. This church has brought an abundance um, of food outside. So please don't leave. Uh, please do stay and join with us for a time of fellowship and eat uh, as, we, as we leave here this evening. But let's close our time in a word of prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this wonderful joy that has been ours this afternoon to be able to just sing the songs of Christmas, to be reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he came to do for us in his birth and in his life and ultimately in his death on the cross and his resurrection and ascension into glory. Uh, we thank you that the whole story did not actually begin at Christmas. It began before the foundations of the earth with a God who chose to love and redeem a sinful people. And the only way that that was possible was through sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so may we never ever become complacent in recounting and appreciating the story of the gospel the story of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. May the songs that we have sung today, may they continue to, to echo the truths of the gospel into our hearts, uh, particularly as we enter into this Christmas season uh, in a world which has almost forgotten uh, who Jesus is and what this season is about. May we, as your ambassadors, go and make you known. And we ask that you would draw many to yourself, many who are lost, many who are still wandering around in darkness, that they may come and find true hope and true life, eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you for each and every person who has served us today in leading us in our worship of you. May they continue to know your blessing as we leave here uh, blessed by you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.